the LCS is back, Summer Split is just around the corner, and a lot of new, or rather old talent, returning to the league. JNT get out and I get into the discussion. Does the LCS need some new or fresh talent? Uh, summer power rankings, of course, we got to get into those. And also, Parth has been on a tear on Twitter the last, we'll say, week or so, and it seems like he's going to lead up with more spicy takes up until the LCS start. Uh, so JNT and I are going to pick our favorite topics that he's chosen, and we are going to go over them, love them or hate them. This is episode 88 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with JNT250 and Blue Jay. So JNT, do you know, I haven't told, I mean, you might know this already, but did you realize this is now two years of the Clown Fiesta podcast? Yeah, I think it was June 5th. We did our what, first episode. So a little bit past because we skipped an episode, right? Yeah. But yeah, this is two years of this podcast. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Actually, unreal how fast that went. And of course, uh, we're fired up for summer, especially me. You know that like I'm a big time split guy more than I am MSI guy. So this is like uh, an extra little boost for me, if you will. Um, I think we should just start right away with the whole LCS fresh talent topic. Uh, lots of players coming back. Obviously, Jensen, Sven, 6A, Ignar. There might be others, but those are the ones that come to mind. Dokla. Um, Dokla. Big true. Dokes. Yep. Yeah, big dokes. I, I, like the, I like big dokes, though. I like that, too. Um, what do you think? Does the LCS need fresh talent? Well, here's the thing with this discussion, and I, I think, you know, part of it is correct. Because I think there are a lot of cases where we see some players in the LCS sticking around for maybe a little bit too long when they may be sort of past the expiration date. Um, one name that I'll just throw out there, but maybe this is a little bit unfair because he did have a season that was quite good fairly recently is Wild Turtle. Mm -hmm. um, he's definitely been a very up and down player in the LCS, like even back since his TSM days. And obviously he had a very good season 10 on FlyQuest, but he had some pretty rocky seasons on CLG in season 10, Immortals just this past uh, season. And I think when it comes to looking at, you know, fresh faces in the LCS and trying to bring in new talent, it's more about weeding out the players that have sort of been around very long and are on the decline, as opposed to, I think in this case, you know, we talk about a lot of the players that we just mentioned, Sven, Jensen, Ignar, Stixay, I think these are players who are actually pretty worthy of coming back into the LCS. Um, I'll start with, you know, maybe I'll go to bat for somebody who maybe a lot of people wouldn't really choose to talk about, but Stixay, I thought had a pretty solid, you know, season 11 on Golden Guardians. And when it came to bringing the rebuilding this roster after they had made the trade for Licorice at the end of season 11, taking him over from FlyQuest and then a Blaze Olive, in my opinion, having a really good. Uh, mid lane out of Golden Guardians. I thought that you know those three players, Stixay, Licorice, and Ablaze Olive, were going to be like the key pieces for Golden Guardians moving forward. I was actually quite surprised to hear that Stixay wasn't going to continue playing for the team. I was in fact going to join the coaching staff. So to see him come back for Golden Guardians to me feels like it's what should have been like that should have been what happened anyway. And then obviously Jensen, you know, he didn't end up on a team because of the whole TL situation with him potentially moving to AD carry. But everybody knows that Jensen deserves to be in the LCS. He's an LCS level mid laner. He's one of the best mid laners in the LCS and matches up very well internationally. And, you know, similarly with Zven, you know, he, he was on cloud nine. He wasn't a part of their uh, starting roster uh, this past season due to the whole like, Korean thing they were going for. But now we'll see him back as a uh, support um, for the long term. Maybe who knows? We'll see some maybe carrying the short term. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, it just feels like all these players who are coming back to the LCS for this split specifically 
in my opinion, like they're all worthy players who deserve that second shot. And I, I you know, I, I fully welcome them back and I hope they do well. Like players like Six A, players like Dokla, who maybe didn't have the, the greatest go around the first time, but have like brought themselves back up and picked themselves back up and like they're gonna be in good positions to play well this year. Yeah, I really think it's not as simple uh, of a discussion as people would like it uh, like it to be. Because I'm going to use an example where uh, I'm going to go to EG, right? Let's say they keep Jazuke and JoJo doesn't play. No one is saying, oh, like, why are you keeping Jazuke? He had a great split, right? But you let go of Jazuke, it opens the jo- door for JoJo to come in. And you're like, holy shit, this fresh talent is freaking awesome. And so I don't think it, uh, the other thing, too, is that, like, a lot of people will point to the JoJo's and the Dannys and be like, yes, see, this is why we need new NA talent. And I completely agree that we do to a certain extent. But for every Danny, for every JoJo, you get your your Niles, your your Palafox, your... I, I mean, I guess I could... Even, like, there's some players, that I guess, that have stuck around, like Contracts, for example. Like, there are some players that I do think... Um, some new players that aren't exactly all that hype and then some some older players that do need to go. And so, like... When I look at what the answer is to this question, it very much is on the fence, and I hate to have to do that, but I think it's a really complicated uh, answer to whether the LCS needs new talent. I mean, it kind of feels like a case-by-case sort of process where, you know, you want to talk about a player, and it's, you know, well, first of all, have they been on a good team? And then it's about, you know, have their even if they've been on a bad team, have their performances been good enough to warrant them, you know, having a spot on a team in a coming split? So... It's it's pretty hard to judge as like this one overarching question to just say yes or no to, because I definitely think it's you know sort of case dependent. But me personally, for the most part, I think that the LCS doesn't need fresh talent, but it does. It it seems to operate well with the fresh talent because I think the LCS for the most part does a pretty good job of you know creating storylines around some of these players. Like before JoJo, you know, started playing super well. In the in the spring split, and you know had a great you know playoffs run and good performances at MSI. Like he he was a very interesting player and a player whom you wanted to get invested in and you wanted to follow, despite his you know the unknown of what he was at the start of spring split. And now obviously there's a huge fan base for for players like JoJo and players like Danny. But that first you know those first couple splits where they're coming into the league as you know fairly green players and kind of working their way up the ladder. It, it's actually very interesting and, you know, makes for a compelling split and compelling storylines during the split. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it comes down to just what you were saying. Like it is a player by player uh, basis that you need to judge these things on. And it is, it, I'm going to make, make it as simple as it should be. It's just, is the player still good enough to play? And I think a lot, a lot of the times when people talk about this discussion, they forget that along the way and they get way too focused on, Oh, we need new players or no, we need to keep these players because it's the faces that people love. Like, could you imagine, for example, like um, sneaky, for example, hasn't played in a long time. There's a good chance that that's a washed player now. Now we don't know that, but there's a good chance right after not having played for a couple of years now but if he came back people would love to watch him play right so there's a balance there of like sneaky might not even be good enough to play in the league anymore who the hell knows but people would absolutely love to see him and i realize that's kind of apples and oranges when comparing him to like sticks a for example but it it really is basis by basis of like which players should be playing in the league um and which shouldn't and the other thing that i'll say too is like familiarity like with the sneaky example familiarity does matter like I'm fired up to see Sven and, and Jensen come back. These are like some of the top players we've had in the league. 
how can you not be excited to see these guys that have obviously run the league since they, they've been in it? Yeah, I mean, I'll use to, to, to positively use an example of an older face who came back to the league and now I think is playing really well. Um, Biofrost, uh, kind of a person that I think the both of us sort of rode off a little bit yes. coming into this yeah. season because he didn't look very good um, after he initially left TSM, joined CLG, and then even on his return to TSM, you know, I think both of us sort of were with the idea that, you know, TSM's bot lane was, you know, their biggest problem. And yeah, this, it was this, bad, And the strength opinion. of their top side yeah. was the main reason why that team was super successful. So Biofrost coming back into to the LCS on Dignitas, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, I wouldn't really call it a head-scratching move, but we're like, hmm, is this guy actually going to be able to perform at, you know, the LCS level that he was formerly doing on on the TSM-type level, not the sort of CLG Biofrost that we saw. And, you know, I think the both of us definitely recognize Biofrost had a really good year, and, you know, there's nothing to indicate that it's going to be any different this time around. Yeah, I'll continue to say it. I, I know that a lot of people disagree and they think Core JJ was the number one support this last split. I'm going to keep saying it. It was Biofrost. I thought he had a really, really good split. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised because like you said, there's a lot of people doubting. I was one of those people. I really did not expect Biofrost to come back and be such a monster. He had a great split. I'm hoping he can carry that over into summer. Um, but I mean, time will tell. But yeah, that's a perfect, perfect example of a guy that I think a lot of people would write off. And then, well, what do you know? He comes back and he's a monster. Yeah. So anyways, um, with that, we should probably get into the LCS since that's starting up very shortly. Let's get into our power rankings. The meat and uh, potatoes right here. How do we want to do this? Do we want to go one to 10 or 10 to one? Um, well... And I guess we have to go off of one of our lists because I don't know what your list looks like, right? So, and you'll have to vocalize that for me and the listeners because I can't yeah. see since we're not streaming it live. But I'll pull them up right you now. Do it. But I will read them out. So I'll start with myself. Uh, my list. Okay. I'll go through just for reading purposes. I'll go one to ten. I have okay. TL one followed by EG one hundred thieves C nine Dignitas Golden Guardians FlyQuest TSM CLG then Immortals. Blue J from 1 to 10 has TL, 100 Thieves, EG, Cloud9, Golden Guardians, Dignitas, TSM, FlyQuest, CLG Immortals. So the the big changes, well, I mean, there's not a lot of big changes, but the notable ones are you had EG3, 100 Thieves, 2. I had the inverse. I had EG2, 100 Thieves, 3. And then you had Golden Guardians, 5, Dig6. I have Dig5, Golden Guardians, 6. And then we had TSM and FlyQuest also swapped in seven and eight. Yeah. So again, you're you're the one running show here. How are we doing this? Where which team do you want to start with? I think we should start with the obvious, which is at the bottom, in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll start bottom and go to top then. We'll kick off Immortals at number ten. We both had them number ten. To be honest, I don't think it's any surprise that they are number ten. While they were tied with TSM in record at the end of the spring split. TSM had the 2-0 head-to-head, so they were effectively the last place team. We're 4-14, and and the only moves that they made, well, I, gotta say, I shouldn't say the only moves, because they made some moves on their roster, but uh, they dropped Xerse to add Kenvi, uh, a rookie jungler, and then their bot lane is now lost Ignar instead of Wild Turtle slash Arrow plus Destiny. Yeah, so... I'm excited to see Ignar. I, I admit, like, you know, I'm a big Ignar uh, fan. I've always said that I think the way he specializes with champions like Rakan, he's a guy that finds a lot of flanks and finds the engage in teamfights. That's his strength. 
Um, pretty much my worry with him is similar to what it's going to be with Jensen and Sven and all the players that are coming back. But when you take a split off, you don't exactly know what you're going to get when they come back. And so there's a question mark there, but that's not my biggest issue. My biggest issue is lost. I did not think he had a very good split on Golden Guardians. And so I'm, I mean, sure, I, Wild Turtle and uh, Arrow did not have great splits themselves, but I don't really think that you're solving much with lost. Now, maybe, maybe there's some, an argument to be made that lost just didn't fit well with Golden Guardians and he'll be a better fit with this team for X, Y, and Z. He, I mean, he did play with PoE already. But I'm not sold on that. Um, I do think Lost was the biggest issue for Golden Guardians, and that going to a now worse team is that's kind of a big uh, worry for me, big caution sign. Yeah, when Lost initially moved from Golden Guardians um, after he was released by TSM, I was actually, I think, one of the few people who, you know, was a little bit higher on Lost than most people. And yeah, going, going into spring, I was hopeful. For him on Golden Guardians, but he definitely didn't perform very well. And coming on to the last place team, while I do think that Ignar is a big upgrade at support for the team mm -hmm. relative to Destiny, I think Jungle is it's kind of a it's a weird little spot because for the most part, when Xersei has been on this team, he's been the best player on this team. However, he had a really bad spring yeah, split. Yeah, he didn't have a good split. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you just think about these last six months of what we've seen from Xersei, obviously, you know, Kenvi coming into the team, I think, will give fans a little bit more excitement because this has been a very hyped up prospect over the for pretty much the last two years, talking about how this is going to be like one of the next best junglers in the LCS. However, when you really like, you know, think about this a little bit more. Like, Xersei was, you know, a top six, top five jungler in the league for the most part when he was in the LCS. And now, you know, he's leaving and you're bringing in a rookie who hasn't really, you know, he's been a hyped up prospect, but hasn't really been that top, top guy in the academy scene, um, you know, relative to a few other players who we've seen, you know, be successful on the number one academy team and obviously look like the best players. So I, I think jungle is maybe like a side grade at best because, yeah. I'm not expecting Kenvi to just come in and stomp the league. I, I understand that, you know, he's probably a player that's going to take a little bit of time to sort of get acclimated to the LCS. But at the same time, when you're a rookie joining the last place team, it, your path to victory is going to be fairly difficult. Yeah, my, my problem isn't so much with Kenvi, because I, as I like to continue to remind people, I don't watch Academy. I don't know, like, I didn't watch any of the games. I have no idea. My biggest problem is, is that this guy's coming into a league with really, really good junglers. <laughs> like, is this one of the worst times to be a rookie jungler? Like, how many good junglers are there in this league? This is probably the strongest jungle that we've had in, I don't even know, a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just me? Uh, I, I think so. so. Even some of the Academy go, junglers are, are quite good. When you have to go up against Santorin, Blabber, Closer, Bika, Inspired, uh, I thought Pride Stalker was good. I still think he's River. underrated. Jose, Jose Diodo, River. Like I've, I've named eight junglers that are like good players, man. Um, that's one of the issues that I have for Kenby, and it's not anything personal to him. It's that this is a rough time to be joining the league as a jungler, um, and so I'm a little bit nervous for that. The other thing, too, is that I have to admit, PoE did not have the greatest split either. And look, it always comes back to it's hard to look good on a bad team, but usually all of the players are somewhat uh, responsible for that team being bad, right? Um, usually. Um, and then the other thing is, too, is Revenge. I've kind of lost faith. Um, I would say that he was good in maybe one of four games, like just way too inconsistent. His good. Uh, may maybe I'm being generous with the one in four. 
Um, we did see some good performances, but we just saw a lot of bad ones uh, on top of that. And so I can't really ignore that. And I don't really think Revenge has, we'll say, blossomed into the player that we would like to see. And and I guess going back to the Kenvi thing, this kind of fits with our first topic. Like it's exciting because it's a new player and we're all in the back of our heads hoping that it's it's a Danny, it's a Jojo Pyun. But again, it could be a insert any struggling rookie here. There's been so many of them. I, iconic if you want to go to the jungle, for example. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of unknown when it comes to, uh, to Kenvi. Yeah, it, it's going to be hard to sort of figure out what this team is going to look like. You know, we obviously know that Power of Evil is a very unique mid laner. And when you're, regardless of, you know, your position or whatever, when you're playing on a team and you have a very unique play style, it's kind of on the rest of the team to either conform to that play style and play with it and play around it, or you kind of have to win in spite of that. So, you know, who knows? Like maybe, you know, Power of Evil style it actually ends up being favorable to the new meta. And, you know, maybe that works in Immortals' favor, favor because, you know, Control Mages might be a really popular choice in the mid lane. And True. therefore, you know, that maybe that puts Kenvi on, you know, some more early game utility type stuff. And, you know, like we don't really we're not Academy Watchers. So to be honest, I don't even know if Kenvi's like the super aggressive, like micro epic jungler or if he's just like big brain macro guy. So I think it'll just be interesting to see how the meta plays out for this team, because in a world where the meta doesn't really suit Power of Evil's strengths, it feels like this team is going to struggle a lot because I don't really see where the carry potential comes from, if not him, because I don't really have any faith in Revenge. Envy's a rookie, and you know I don't really put any of the, the weight on him, and Lost was a little bit disappointing for me in Spring Split. Yeah. So I guess we need, we need some FlyQuest 2020 magic here with Power of Evil and Ignar to, I think, make True. this team decent at all. Last thing I want to say on them before we move on is I think there's a rumor. I don't know if there's a rumor. Actually, I think PUE tweeted out. Isn't he having like visa issues or something? Yeah, he so said he, he could be may or may not be here for the start. Yeah, and that that's, I guess, going to be a common theme since we'll talk about that a little bit later with Cloud9 as well. But it seems like there's still lots of players, as every split, that are having visa issues. And so that's something else that could lead into problems is that he's probably not scrimming with his team right now. That's not very good either. Yeah, I guess I'll just say this now. I didn't really take that sort of factor into consideration when making my power ranking. So even though there's so a what, potential... You're push that... them down to 11th? <laughs> no, but, but what I'm saying is if maybe we had already heard, you know, if it was confirmed that Pee-wee was going to be here during week one or if, you know, it was known that he wasn't going to be here until week three or four or something, that wouldn't have changed my 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 picks. So once we talk yeah. about a couple of other, you know, situations for teams later on, just I'll put that out there to begin. Okay. All right. CLG was nine for both of ours? Yep, we both had CLG nine. I feel like you you need to start with this one because you were the big CLG stand last play. And by the way, are we still CLG stand going into summer? I would say I was a Luger and Poom stand more than. I thought you were CLG stand, dude. I don't. No, thought... come Pal... on, you were CLG stand. Come on. Yeah, but Palafox and Jenkins were kind of trash. Up on them. It's, it's not... the CFP curse. You gotta go a full year. Hey, I can do whatever I want. Um, I still, <laughs> I'm gonna root for Luger and Poom. Yeah, you know, I like what they were doing, but you know, for me with CLG. They did make one change in the offseason, replacing Jenkins with Dokla. You know, it's not like the team got rid of any of the players. They literally just swapped Academy and LCS starting spots. So if we see CLG struggling, I, I assume that Jenkins coming back into the team is not really out of the realm of possibilities. And uh, if you were to ask me, I would have replaced Palafox before I replaced Jenkins in the top lane because 
for me, Palafox, along with Contracts, are probably the two worst players on this team. And towards the beginning of the split, you know, Pal Contracts was really giving, uh, he was really trying to claim the title of the worst player in the LCS with all the inting he was doing. So it, it just feels like a little bit, you know, CLG just feels weird to me because if I was going to make a change, I would have made a different change than what they did. But, you know, I think Dokla coming in over Jenkins is, it has potential as, you know, Dokla's kind of been a player that a lot of people have been talking about because he was number one in Champions Q and he's been on some pretty good academy teams ever since he left the LCS after Optic and I don't know if he even played in season nine. So maybe it was at the end of season eight or season nine, but he was on TSM Academy and actually performed pretty decently there. And obviously was on CLG Academy, who was, I don't, were they a good academy they team? They were first, I think. Yeah, they were, I first, they were first. And he was, you know, the best player in Champions Q. Uh, you know, the stats what the stats said, at least. And those things matter, like they do. But for me, I can never, like, I've kind of given up on, oh, he was getting an academy, so he'll be good in LCS, right? Same thing yeah. when it comes to, like, Kenby. Like, I, I, I can't accept that anymore. I've just seen it fail too many times. Uh, I think you could look at the mid lane, for example, and that's, where, like, I don't think Palafox has panned out. And uh, to be honest, I agree that I would have looked to replace. Now, let's be fair, you don't always have the options to replace, right? So maybe they did try to replace uh, Contracts or Palafox and they didn't find anybody better, or maybe they think there's just a couple of things that went wrong that are fixable for the split coming up. My point being is that uh, while I'm excited to see Big Dokes play and I'm happy that he's back, I'm not going to be like, oh, he was great in Academy. That means he'll be great in LCS. It's just not that simple. And I've kind of been fooled by Academy hype one too many times, I think, for me to just hop on board. Um, do I think the team will be better than they were when they just had Jenkins? Yeah. I'm just not convinced that it's enough to really push them much higher. Uh, Jenkins was, uh, if I'm honest, kind of AFK player, didn't really do much. Um, and so maybe Dokla is someone that has uh, a more of an aggressive style and maybe looks to make more happen. That's what I would hope for out of CLG because it felt like a lot of the time it was Palafox and Contracts trying to force plays, and those plays looked really bad when they were trying to force them, and maybe that's because they didn't have the whole team uh, that was able to make plays. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hypothesizing here, but... Um, definitely need to see something change, and so I'm glad that they made a change, uh, even if it's not the craziest. Yeah, I mean, what it feels like for me is, you know, with CLG, like, in theory, off-season changes should be upgrades, you know, regardless of whatever team you are, because, you know, when you're making these changes, you're doing it with the sense that, hey, this is going to make our team better. And in the case where every single, you can just, we'll use the hypothetical that every single offseason change that every team made was an improvement to their roster, DLG's improvement just doesn't feel as big as some of these other teams potentially. So it just, it feels like the ceiling for CLG didn't really increase that much with the one change that they did make. Yeah. Okay. Next up, I have FlyQuest 8, but you have TSM 8. Who are we doing first? Yeah, we, we can do FlyQuest. Um... My main thing with FlyQuest is I actually think that, you know, the team overall is pretty good. Just unfortunately, mm -hmm. Kumo is just dragging the rest of them down. So uh, I'm not as cold on Kumo as you are. Because I do think there were, like, I thought there were some games where Kumo actually had really, really good games. Sort of like what I said with Revenge, where it was like Revenge would be like 1 and 4, 1 and 5. I feel like Kumo was 1 and 2, 1 and 3. And the other ones, like, they were bad performances. I don't want to make it sound like um, he was an average player, because I do think that he held them back. I just don't think it was nearly that bad. When I look at the other four players, I thought got 
progressively worse. I guess not the other four. Uh, Jose Diodo, I think, was the most consistent and had a great split. But I thought Takui, Johnson, and Afro actually all got worse as the split went on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to dispute that or disagree with that. I just, I'm just not a big Kumo believer here. So mm-hmm. I do feel like that this roster is in a little bit of a Dignitas situation where... You know, I think four out of the five players on their team are actually pretty good. And, you know, they can be a top half uh, team in the league, but they unfortunately have one glaring hole, which, you know, I think will just get punished, you know, against all the top teams and, you know, has the potential to struggle against some of the weaker teams even. Yeah, the the, the main problems that I remember thinking stood out quite a bit when watching uh spring split as again as the split went on was Tukui was dying way too much in the mid lane he he was absolutely popping off playing really aggressive at the start of the split and i think teams kind of learned like oh this guy's going to keep trading really aggressively and not really respect ganks and then there would be games where he's dying two or three times just in laning phase alone you can't have that happen afromu was like king clutch for like the first half of the split and for the last like year or two whereas like he is finding the engage for so many fights and he's getting that first pick to turn the 5v5 fight into a a 5v4 in their favor before it really breaks out that we didn't see we saw missed execution on a lot on a lot of his um his engages johnson they would feed so many uh, resources and he really wouldn't do much with it again this was all as the split went on and that's stuff where it's like i really worry when i see a team start off really well and slowly fall off as the split goes on so that's where i'm worried for FlyQuest. Uh, when i look at the players individually there's a lot of good there but it's like I don't know, as a team, they just slowly fell off. And it was like, next thing you know, I've lost faith. And I guess now I have them eighth on my list. Yeah, I I definitely think that the team sort of did sort of hit a bit of a slow decline as the season went on. However, I still don't think that, you know, really disputes the fact that there was a lot of games during the season where the the game states were relatively even um, when looking at, pretty much everywhere but topside because, you know, top lane, especially last year in the LCS, was a very volatile role in terms of players just getting rolled. Um, We saw Summit, Bwipo, Someday just straight up bullying players in lane where we would see them get up two to three kills like pre-15 minutes. They would get like towers, like solo uh, pre, you know, before plates expired and, you know, you would see top laners with you know, two items at like 15, 20 minutes into the game because of all the resources that they're getting pretty much just solo by themselves, pretty much it abusing so these weaker players. So heavy, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It was like you had the really, really good top laners and the really, really bad ones. And that led to so many mismatches in, in gold differentials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just, I just don't have the faith that Kumo is going to survive because I still think that top lane will be a very strong role in the LCS. Um, I think some of the marquee games were definitely the games against Cloud9, where Summit was literally just rolling them 1v5. And I think of that Jace game against FlyQuest, where they had those like two really weird drafts, where FlyQuest had Zillion, and Cloud9 was playing this like full dive comp with Jace, and Summit like was basically 1v9ing the entire game. So I just think those situations for FlyQuest are still going to be apparent, and they're just unfortunately going to be in a position where you know they could be like a 10 and 8 team a 9 and 9 team but there might be you know two or three of those games during the whole season where Umo just gets smacked and the game gets exploded through topside yeah i guess i'm coming to the realization now that it's like 
even though like i said that i'm not as cold on kumo as you are and i think the reason is that i do think he was better this split than we've seen him in the past because i don't do think he was like bottom bottom tier for his other splits where i think we saw him on eg i don't remember where else we saw him. did we see him on cloud nine at all I don't yeah even he, know if he did played it. he played a couple games for cloud nine anyways yeah we saw him like really struggling in the past and so it's like i think he got better but again when it comes to the top like it being so top heavy and then bottom heavy like there's too much of a gap for him to reach the level of other top laners in league like someday for example like whippo even though whippo didn't have that great of a second half or um uh or summit like there was really big gaps and maybe that's why i i don't have a lot of faith in FlyQuest because even if kumo did get better in my eyes it's like there's a long way to go to catch up to some of these top laners mm -hmm. uh tsm okay there's gonna be a lot of eyes on tsm this split let me tell i mean there's always right um but i think most eyes are gonna be on maple that's the one change uh, i guess maybe support there's like they're supposed to be like fighting for their spot or whatever. Do you know what the latest is on that? Well, Shenyi is the starter, but they signed Mia guy with the intention that he was, you know, going to be able to compete for the starting spot. Um, so who so, who, who I'm knows? Not, under the impression that they were still fighting for the spot, but I didn't really know if that was true or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a situation where they probably told, you know, both players that, hey, Shane needs a starter, but we're going to play both of them. I mean, that's what that's what the gist sound of, kind of sounded like when we heard about the signing. So it it, it to me, though, with TSM is I'll, I'll kind of see it till I believe it because, you know, TSM was really bad last year. Like they didn't really last split. You mean we're talking? Yeah, sorry. Last split. And yeah. I don't really think they improved a whole lot per se, because if you look at their wins, they had four wins, you know, the entire split. Uh, two of them were against Immortals, which was the, the clear worst team in the league. One was against Golden Guardians, who, you know, we kind of admitted can sort of beat anybody and lose to anybody and was having a lot of problems closing out games um, in the spring split. And then they beat Cloud9 when Cloud9 was kind of like, falling face first towards the end of the split. I was like when Summit just kind of started to to run it down in these games. So I don't really put a whole lot of stock in a lot of the TSM wins, and I don't think that they really made any massive improvements throughout the split. However, I will admit that Maple is a definite upgrade over Kaido slash Takeover. Um, mm -hmm. But at that same time, I don't think that Maple is this player who is just going to completely you know shake up this team and shake up the league in terms of individual impact. Um, obviously, he was very good on PSG Talon, and he, he worked very, very well on that team. But one of the problems that people have always talked about with Maple was his uh, time over in the LPL was pretty terrible for the most part. I, I pulled up his uh, placements at the end of each split um, when he was in the LPL. So this is from Season 9 onwards, after he left Flash Wolves, excluding Season 11 when he was on PSG Talon. But he was, and keep in mind the LPL has 17 teams, he was 10th, 8th, 16th, 13th, 13th, and 13th. So that's not, you know, I, I like I said, I think we can recognize that Maple's a pretty good player and obviously can perform on the international stage. But he's not this big game changer that I think is going to come into the league and sort of contend for top mid laner in the league when we still have players like Jensen, like Bjergsen, who are going to be, you know, playing. So I, I don't really see, I see Maple as kind of like a mid-tier mid laner who is going to come in and make this team better, but I don't think that this team is going to just suddenly make this big change that 
you know, propels them into the top five, top four, you know, at least not right away. Like, I feel like this is going to be a team that if they do play well, it's going to be one of the classic TSM ramp up at the end of the split where they maybe go on some big win streak towards the end. So I I lost you for just a little bit. I heard you naming off the, was it the places that they finished or like yeah, the team the, finished? What was it exactly? I didn't catch that. Sorry. 10th, 8th, 16th, 13th, 13th, and 13th. In what though? In which league? Like which teams were these? Uh, it was on Suning, uh, LNG, and the team that he was just on for this spring split. So okay, so all LPL teams. The, yeah. The reason why I, I think it's relevant, and I'm going to steal something from what Parth brought up tonight on Hotline League, because I think it's a really good point. Is he he made? I I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he he asked the the rhetorical question of like. Has North America ever been able to compete with our mid laners at Worlds? And he's, and the answer is obviously, well, no, not really. And his point being is like, do you think that a player needs to be successful in the LPL to be able to have success in the LCS? And I'm like, okay, I see what he's getting at here. That's a very good point. And I do think that regardless, we saw him perform really, really well when he was playing for PSG. And I also think that he can be a really good mid laner because I, I mean, I talked up our, our jungle pool, but I think most people are also in agreement that our mid lane pool isn't as strong as it once was before. And that there is room for a mid laner to come in and look a lot better than he would have in the LPL. And so I do think that there is a, a, a pretty good upgrade there. The other thing too, is that I also thought TSM started to look better at the end of the split as well. But when a team only has five wins in a regular split, I still can't get that excited about them so if they won a few more games towards the end of the split i would bump them a little higher but i'm just not ready to do that yet but i i don't feel very confident in my seventh place here i i really don't um but again i i need to see more before i push them up because the teams that i have ahead of them with dignitas and golden guardians i do see where they would have fixed their problems for example and so that's why i still have them in seven uh, Tactical did not have a great split. Spica did not have a great split. And apparently, apparently, this oh, JNT knows I'm about to get <laughs> rattled here. Apparently, there's some really bad stuff that went on at TSM. I mean, to me, I heard that. I was like, for one, what else is new? But two, stop bringing that shit up if you can't tell us what it is. So, Mark, Travis, and and um, Parth, <laughs> all on Hotline League tonight, seem to know something crazy happened. But fuck us, right? Like, I, and I'm not even mad at them for not telling us because sometimes you have to keep that. But I just wish they wouldn't bring that stuff up if we're not allowed to know. And I've heard Mark say this on Hotline League so many times. It's like, it sucks to know things that go on behind the scenes and we can't tell the fans. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. So stop telling us that this shit exists if you can't tell us about it. But anyways, all this to say that it sounds like there were definitely some things going on that may have held back uh, the team more than just not being able to perform. Uh, it sounds like there were other things. What those things are, we're left to fucking speculate because this is the, L L the LCS. What else is new? But that's another thing that I think we have to consider when we're doing power rankings. Is like, well, look, I have them seven, but apparently there was some really bad shit that happened, and apparently that shouldn't happen again this summer. Who the hell knows? The thing that's weird about that is why is it the case that they don't like nobody knows or it, it's not like public information because it feels like with I traditional sports know. all the time like right when you know a player or a team gets in trouble whether it's like on or off you know the field the court the the rink whatever like if there's players who are in like legal trouble or you know whatever whatever you know peds like it's always like 
people know right away because there's so people reporting on it and, and the media gets super invested in it. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, why is it the case in esports when there's all this juicy behind the scenes shit going on that it's just like kept in your back pocket for nobody to know until four years down the line when some retired player on stream is talking about this shit? So I know that you don't watch Hotline League that often. I know you watch a little bit. So but it, it sounds like you're just echoing what Mark is saying, but I know that you probably haven't heard him say that. But what you just said is what Mark says all the time, that like if this was a an NFL team or an NBA team, everyone would know what it is. And I know that you're not purposefully echoing what he's saying because you probably didn't even know that he said it. But you're exactly on the same page as Mark. You are. The, the reason that I have to figure for, for why this stuff is, is I would have to guess that because there's so much like independent journalism where like they're really fucking nosy and there's so many of them with those big leagues that like there's just more leaks for that reason. There's more people digging. You know what I'm saying? Whereas like I don't think there's that many people digging and maybe they're not as good as digging for that information in esports. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But that, that would be my guess as to why we see it come out in sports all the time is because there are hundreds and well, may, I guess millions of people that are following an NFL player where there's like, you know, thousands that are following an LCS player, if that makes a, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess that does make a little bit of sense in terms of what you said. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of people in the esports, you know, seen digging. Um, I guess uh, maybe the other th reason is that, you know, since these journalists and these teams, you know, it, it seems to be a very small inner circle, and you know, kind of releasing this sort of information would sort of you know break the trust between those two parties. Um, I I would think because. In the NFL or the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, whatever, you kind of expect the dirty laundry to be aired out whenever, you know, yeah. it's brought up. I mean, I'll use an example. You know, sorry, people don't know, but like the Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson in the NFL, when it kind of came about that he was What's it? Uh, this uh, big lawsuit that's being filed against this NFL player, Deshaun Watson, mm -hmm. for sexual assault slash misconduct with, you know, a bunch of, you know, I think it's up to now 25 women. That was something that, when it was found out, instantly came out and everybody knew. And that was like the talk of the town. And that was that's the expectation when it comes to stories about players, teams, whatever. The other thing to go back on, all these other NFL examples, sorry if you don't know what this is, my apologies. But the Washington football team with uh, the whole John Gruden uh, email chains that were happening from like back in the day on twenty in 2010 where he was like making racist and homophobic remarks in his work email to other players on the team other people within the team and organization so it's just kind of surprising that we don't know about these things because if it's this if it's supposed to be this whole big bad thing uh, that's gone on it's just surprising that people aren't talking about it I'm still stuck on the 25 women thing. I, I heard about it. I didn't know 25 women? Yeah, I mean, we could go down the whole rabbit hole about this. But... I know. I know we're supposed to be doing power rankings for, for TSM here, but what? Yeah, it's... it's Is he still gets... playing? Well, he... Like, football. Isn't he signed with the, the, uh, he just the Browns? Got... Yeah, but he might get suspended for... Well, is it because of 25 well, women? Well, yeah, yeah. For? Hello? People are assuming well, he's going to get suspended, so. Oh, dude. Okay. Anyways, so, yeah, so I, I guess went on quite a bit of a tangent there, but apparently there's some shit going on with TSM. Hopefully that eventually comes out. It feels like there's always shit going on with TSM. It just sounds like there's more. 
Uh, and, well, maybe we'll never know about it, and people will wonder why people continue to not tune into the LCS and will go on with life as usual. Okay, Dignitas. Or wait, is it Dignitas, or is it Golden Guardians? Well, we'll do Dig, because you said it. Um, you had them okay. six. I had them five. Um, the, the story that we had with this team, JNT, was they have one guy that is clearly the problem, no offense to fake God, but the other four were all performing really well. I would even say all of them in the top five of their role, all in the better half of the players. Agree or disagree with that sentiment? Yes, I, I would say that Dignitas was the more extreme FlyQuest, where fake God was a bigger problem than Kumo was, and the other four were performing better than, you know, in comparison to the, the FlyQuest four players. So yeah, it's kind of like the more extreme version where, wow, this team actually individually is, you know, pretty good. And as a team, they're actually pretty good. But this one guy is just so bad that he's really holding them back. And I can't speak to how good Gamsu has been in Academy because, again, I don't watch it. I don't really care about Academy that much, if I'm being completely honest. But you change the guy that you needed to change. And so that gives me a little bit of faith, which, I mean, I still have them only sixth, right? That's not exactly some crazy, you know, power ranking. But I feel like if you do switch out the one problem that you really had, and even if that problem stuck around, I could still see them finishing six. So I don't think I'm getting too overhyped on Dignitas by throwing them in the sixth spot when their jungle, mid, AD, and support all looked pretty damn good. Yeah, um, I've been a little bit of a Gamsu believer when uh, 100 Thieves signed him. I was like, oh my god. I, I've talked about this before, but I thought he was going to get the fast track back to LCS when Someday was underperforming. But, it seems uh, like 100 Thieves has too many top laners to... Uh, yeah, maybe, you know? dude. Maybe they're, they're the top lane whisperers now. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit of a believer in Gamsu. People forget, like, he was a good player when he was in the LCS. Yeah. Like, he was, on, like, he was on Dignitas before when they were a top four team in the league in uh, summer of season five. They almost went to and Worlds going, that year. And going back to our first topic of, like, old faces coming back, this is one of the very unique and very interesting situations to see an old face come back, right? Yeah. Because it's been so long and because he went and played freaking Overwatch. Like, he went and played another eSport competitively. So I think that that makes it, like, super interesting. And, like, I think, it'll, I, I mean, I said with TSM, people are going to have their eyes glued on Maple because that's the change. This is the same thing with Dignitas, but even more so because it's, like, Let's see what this experiment looks like, you know, because it's, well, it's, it's something that doesn't really happen all that often. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit, there's a little bit of merit to say that even though he wasn't playing League for about a four-year period, he was still playing another game at the highest level competitively. So it feels like there's a little bit more stock in that than just a player who stopped playing League and wasn't playing professionally at all. Even though it's yeah, a different it's game, and so you know, the, the, you know, the games are different. Like Overwatch is not the same to League whatsoever. But there is something to say for continuing to be in that competitive environment, in that yes. team environment, working with other players, working with staff, and it feels like that part of the transition is going to be pretty seamless for the most part. And it kind of will be dependent on his performance. And if his previous performances are to to go on anything, he should be pretty decent. Um, we yeah. did talk about how top heavy the top lane is right now with players like Whippo, Impact, Someday, potentially Fudge coming back into the mix. Um, but you know, if you were to match up Gamsu with you know your 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 Kumos, your Revenged, your your Dokla slash Jenkins, your Huni, like I'll take like I'll I'll take him like more than half the time. 
Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, I just want to go back to your point about him with him playing in another league. The thing that you do get is you do get keep that competitive work ethic where you have to keep grinding, you know, and, and that's just a discipline thing Sick as well. Grind that I think set, can, dude. That's something that can definitely carry over, carry over from esport to esport, even if the actual skills may not. And we'll have to wait and see just how much he's been able to regain his skills. Next up, I had Golden Guardians 5 on my list. You had Golden Guardians 6 on yours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah? Yep. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Um, I don't know. It felt pretty easy to rank Golden Guardians because it feels like their ceiling isn't that high, but their floor is also, you know, their floor is not too low. Um, the only change that they did make was changing out Lost for, for Stixate. And to me, it feels like that is just going to make this team a little bit more consistent because Lost, even on his days on TSM, did kind of feel like this Feast or Famine player where he kind of just played what was meta, and when it was scaling 80 carries, he played scaling 80 carries, and, you know, traditionally that's, you know, you're going to be weak early, but deal big damage late, and it was always kind of very dependent on the team to where if the team was underperforming, then Loss is underperforming because he's just trying to, he's just a role player. And, you know, I think Stixay is almost the exact same in terms of him being a role player, but him being a little bit more of a veteran and his sort of track record in the LCS kind of gives me more faith in him. And previously why I said that I thought that he was going to be on the team in the first place to start season 12. And like I said, though, the main reason why I don't have them five or don't have them in these higher slots is I still don't think their ceiling is, is that high. We did see them have very successful early games in the spring split and they were kind of inconsistent. You know, they didn't really, they never really found that, you know, solution of being able to grow their leads consistently. They did take some, you know, games off of prominent teams like 100 Thieves, like Team Liquid. Um, so I think that they're not just going to be, they're not going to be a boring team per se, but I just think that they're still in that category of we can beat anybody, but we can also lose to anybody, which is why they seem to struggle against teams like TSM in the spring slip when TSM was just so bad. Yeah, so I I know you just said it, but I'm going to say it again. The thing that we focused on so much in spring was they get leads, they throw them. Now, a big part of that, I don't want to throw this all on loss because I do need to remind people that occasionally they would put Licorice on a carry. That guy can't, I don't trust him on carries. I, I don't, he's very much a just blind pick him nar let him slowly lose the lane but he'll be okay he's not gonna absolutely cost you the game but when they put him on like that cannon i can't forget that cannon game he can't flank worth shit and you really need to know how to flank if you're playing cannon so i don't think that i'm, I'm not too excited about licorice licorice in particular um i am very excited about pride soccer i still think he was really really good i think one of the reasons he didn't stand out so much is because there were so many other good junglers as well but I thought he was great. And another guy that I thought struggled a little bit was Olive. Because yeah, Olive... Yeah, he was kind of bad. I will remind people, was the king... I'll keep calling him the king of burning his flash for no reason. Or burning his stopwatch for no reason. Which those things matter a lot when it comes to team fight, Which is inevitably where Golden Guardians would end up throwing their leads. Is in those team fights. And a lot of times it was because Olive would just die. Like, oh, he didn't have that stopwatch that he wasted randomly earlier. So there are other way areas to look at that are not lost. But to me, Lost was still the biggest one. You consistently had an AD carry that when teamfights came around was not putting out any freaking damage. That's a problem. And so that's why I'm actually pretty happy with this change back to Stix A. Even if Stix A is long past his, his best days in the LCS, I expect to see something more than what we saw with Lost in Spring. They really, really needed an AD carry, and it felt like they didn't have one. 
Um, so that's why I'm a little bit happier with Golden Guardians, and what, that's why I have them in the top half myself at number five. But I do, I do definitely think that you know how we normally talk about top five versus bottom five in this league. I think we've gotten to a point where it's top four and then the rest, because I do think there is a gap between TL100, EGC9, and the rest of the teams. Whereas a lot of times it's top five and bottom five. I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, or not this, not this split. I should say. Yeah, and I would say in the case of Golden Guardians, to sort of compete in that top four or, or to be one of those teams that's going to try to punch their way up and com compete with those other teams, you either have to have great team play or very strong individual players. And I don't think that Golden Guardians really has either of those things down. Um, that, that was kind of why I more had them as six than five, is just if you were to compare them to Dignitas, I would say that I would rather have Dignitas's individual players but maybe you could say the golden guardians overall was a better team because you know they took some pretty important wins but it just feels like when you are going to be competing against the likes of cloud 9 100 thieves eg and tl just looking at their rosters like you either have to be a really good team or have those same individual skill players to be able to match up to that and i just don't think that golden guardians really has the firepower to do so um for them to sort of make a lot of improvements we would really have to see Blaze Olive and Licorice kind of go back to what we saw at the end of season 11, where once Golden Guardians acquired Licorice in the trade with FlyQuest, he actually started playing really well. And Blaze Olive, in my opinion, had a really good year in uh, season 11, specifically in Summer Split, because it felt yeah. like the players whom we all expected to make Golden Guardians, you know, you know, transition from season 11 to season 12 in Licorice and Blaze Olive were the guys who struggled. And the guys who they brought in that people really didn't were just like, ah, oh, whatever, Ole and Pride Soccer were actually the better performing players on the team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I have nothing to add. Actually, I do have something to add, but I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for, for you just, we'll get you, there. You, you just did what you were all mad about before, like, no, oh, they know. I will say it though. There's a difference, Bucko. Yeah, but now I'm you're baiting me because I wanna know what it is. Well, tune in fifteen, twenty minutes later. <laughs> okay, let's go. Who's next on the list? We both had C9 at a 4. I don't think that C9 being at 4 is like should be surprising to anybody. Um they were the fourth place team, but I think a lot of people might think that, you know, with the big additions of Jensen coming back to play for C9 to mid lane, Fudge going back to top lane, who I think most people would say was his better performing role from what we've seen, and their bot lane, you know, of Berserker and Zven you know, was going to be an upgrade over Berserker plus, who was it, Winsome or Isles. So on paper, I think, you know, the upgrades are good for C9. But, you know, obviously when you have a big shakeup in your roster and two players who are role swapping, it's going to be it's going to be a rough start early on. But it's pretty clear that the C9 roster individually has a very, very high ceiling. So this this definitely feels like a team that's going to be a bit slow out of the gate. And it'll sort of take a bit of time to sort of ramp up and you know, look very good maybe towards the to the end of the regular season, beginning of playoffs type thing. So I actually would have would have had them second if it wasn't for the Berserker thing. Um I think Berserker was like this player that we really didn't get to see shine because obviously he didn't have the greatest support in spring. And we even did see some really good things out of him regardless of that. But I thought that we were really going to see a breakout in summer and maybe we eventually do. But the visa thing does matter. And we don't know. A lot of people are saying like it might be week four that he comes back. No one really knows because who knows how long it's going to take for the visa issues to figure out since he lost his visa and passport or whatever. Um, but that like obviously that matters too. Like I mentioned earlier how like 
PoE can't be scrimming with the team right now. Well, neither can Berserker, I guess, if he's stuck over there, I presume. Right, so these these things kind of matter. The other thing too is there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical, like you mentioned. There's a lot of role swaps going on. There's people who haven't played the role that they're going to play this split. They haven't played competitively in like well half a year, whatever it's been, right? So there's a lot of question marks. So even if someone pushed them down to like five or six or maybe seven, but that's probably a little deep. But that even if they had them pushed low. down, even if they had them pushed down to the bottom half of like six, for example, I wouldn't have been that surprised because there's a lot of question marks. However, with that said, I still have the optimism of the other way that I do think all this stuff is going to pan out because I think Jensen is one of the best mids we've ever had in the league. And I don't think that one split off is going to change that. I do have a lot of faith in Sven role swapping to support. And of course, I have faith in in, um, uh, in Fudge going back to top because he was such a monster last split and got so good so fast. That like I that that's why I have optimism in him, and so yes, I'm I'm admitting that I'm taking the best case scenario in almost all of these scenarios, but that is my prediction, and I think by the end of the split, I actually would have them uh, either winning or coming second. But I think I'd probably have them coming second if uh, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, and and that kind of goes like uh, it's kind of what I was saying that I think the ceiling of this roster is very very high, just straight up individually. And as you said, if everything sort of does come together and they start performing um, well as a team, then it does feel like the sky's the limit. Sort of. Uh, I will reiterate that I didn't really take the berserker potentially not being there into consideration. Um, I think if I did. I might drop Cloud9 one spot lower. However, I don't think I would do that purely based on my previous point when I was talking about Golden Guardians. You know, just the individual firepower, regardless of who's actually playing, when you have players like Fudge, Blabber, Jensen, Sven, whether he's going to be 80 carrier or support, while Berserker's gone, you know, those are just the players are too good to not just give them that respect in the first place. But I think it'll be an interesting question with Berserker not playing. I've seen some talk on Twitter, I guess not talk, but it's just kind of like, uh, it's a, uh, what's the word? Predicting, rumor? Or not rumor, oh. just uh, whatever. Predicting if uh, Zven is actually going to play AD carry and they might have Destiny play support or if they're going to have King play AD carry and have Zven play support. So it makes more sense for him, for Zven to play support, right? If that's what's going to be like, you're gonna, you've got to get switching to a new role. Wouldn't you want him to be practicing that role so that at the end of the split where eight teams make playoffs, by the way, you have, a, like, you know what I'm saying? It's not that big of a risk to have Zven play support. If you start the split and you're losing all your games, okay, maybe throw Zven AD and, you know, you try Destiny out. But, like, we kind of talked about this earlier, but, like, if Destiny gets kicked off Immortals and ends up being a starter for Cloud9, like, there just doesn't seem to be a world where that happens. I mean, it, it could happen. But that would be really surprising because Destiny did not have a really good split, if we're being honest. Yeah. I, I would probably keep Sven's support since that's what he's been practicing a lot lately. You want him to get more reps in that role anyways. Um, and, and, I mean, I, what can you say? Do your best. You have a really good top half of the map. Yeah. So uh, you, you do have something to fall back on there. But we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Next up, I had 100 Thieves 3. You had them 2. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to Spring Split, where Hunter Thieves was running back the same exact roster, I thought that this was just naturally going to be a, a benefit to 100 Thieves rather than something that was going to hurt them, uh, because you know the team obviously didn't play as well as they probably would have hoped at uh, Season 11 Worlds. So consistency is just probably going to help them more than it hurts them in terms of starting off the split well. Um, 
it, it was a little bit disappointing them kind of looking super uncompetitive in the finals. Uh, yeah. Just getting 3-0'd really quickly. It kind of just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. It felt like with this team, um, including, you know, players like their, you know, their bot lane and FBI and who he kind of just like underperforming for the majority of the split. Abadage had kind of some ups and downs. He started off poorly, looked a lot better towards the end, but had a pretty lackluster playoffs. And closer was just kind of like this monster carry who was trying his best pretty much. But it obviously wasn't enough against the surging EG at the end of it. But it's hard to really knock down 100 Thieves too many pegs off the ladder when they were the best team in Season 11. Uh, they still finished second in Season 12 spring, while unfortunately the finals was uncompetitive and people might not think that they are as good as they are because, I mean, this team is still pretty good. Like, don't get like don't kid yourself here. Like, yeah. someday was a beast last split. Closer has been a beast for almost like two and a half years now in the LCS, dating back to his time on Golden Guardians. Um, Abadage, while sometimes a bit shaky, is still a very solid player. And FBI and Huhi, while they're not the dominant bot lane they once were, they're still a great bot lane. Like they're, I put them still in the top three, top four in terms of bot lane performers in the league. So it is hard to justify me having them at two after we saw that finals. It's like, could you have just not been complete shit? the finals so that I could easily have them number two and be like, well, no problems here. Let's move along. And so it does. It, I am a little monk s having them number two after that performance, but they did get better as the split went on. Abadagi really looked bad to start off. And of course he still didn't have um, the greatest split even towards the end. He still looked so much better than he did at the start. And so there's a lot of improvement there. Again, we have to, I'll have to echo the top jungle thing. Someday and Closer were absolute beasts, man. They had such a good split, and I would even say that that split that they just had is probably up there with one of the best top jungle duos that we, uh, we've we ever seen in the LCS. Um, there's obviously some notable ones that uh, you would have to compare to, maybe like Sven Skaren Hanser on TSM, or um, uh, maybe Xmithy Impact, but definitely up there. Like They had really, really good performances, so you can't discount that. Um, and again, the bot lane, sort of similar to Abadage. I still don't think that they turned it up as much as I would have liked them to. But I guess I still have faith. I don't know. Like, It's weird to see a bot lane have success for so long and then have one split where they struggle and then just give up on them. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I got to give them more time to fix it. And so maybe that's why I have them number two, I guess. Yeah, I don't even say that they need to fix anything per se. I mean, yeah, sure, they need to fix something if they want to become the best bot lane in the league again. But I'm just not going into the to this split with that same expectation that they're going to be the best bot lane in the league. And I just I don't think that hurts them, though, even though to say that, you know, they're not going to be the best bot lane. Like, that doesn't hurt this team because this team still has a real, they have, like, they have a lot yeah. of great strengths. They have other ways that they can win the game. Makes sense. I agree. Um, what is it now? EG? Yeah, EG. I had them two. You had them three. And sure, sure, everyone's gonna be all like, "Oh, but but EG won the split, and they were so great at MSI." Hey, man. See, I think everyone else is on the same page as we are because everyone talks about the MSI hangover. And what what I'm wondering is if there's ever gonna be a time like now it, it's become as of like this year and I guess last year as well. It's become expected for the MSI hangover to really have a you know an impact on that team. I wonder if eventually there's just gonna be a team that's just like, nah, we're good. And then just show up and still be number one and just absolutely smash. Now I don't think that's the case because obviously there was players from EG that were pretty vocal about being burnt out and whatnot. But I'm just waiting for there to be a team that's just like, 
what burnout we're fine msi was great and we're ready to go and then they come right back out and they're number one i just don't think eg is going to be the team for that to happen with yeah it, it's hard to sort of brush off the msi debuff uh woes when players on their team are tweeting out saying that they feel burnt out so yeah. if you were going into the summer split with the idea that hey man eg's different bro they're not gonna they're not gonna get hit with the debuff I dude, I just I seen players on their team tweeting out that they're burnt out. So if they take a couple extra weeks off, hey, dude, will buy me. But if you started out the season four and four, I'm not gonna be surprised. But um, I you know, EG I think still has that expectation that by the end of it, they are gonna be you know contending for worlds and contending for the title. And you know, I think that their performance at MSI kind of strengthened their case more yep. than potentially worsened it in the case of Cloud Nine last year. Because um, Cloud9, they had a really close final against Team Liquid, winning 3-2. But then when they went to MSI and looked uh, not so great, it, Blabbers, kind of, it brought a lot of questions into the mix at the start of summer. And I don't really feel like I have any questions about EG in terms of, oh, well, you know, this player is not that good. Or, you know, I'm worried about this player's performance moving forward. Or, oh, this player was, you know, declining. And I, I, there's, there's none of those questions. It's just I'm expecting them to, for them to hit the, a bit of a wall. They might start off, you know, two and two, three and three, four and four, but I expect this team to be contending at the end of it. So I do have them two. I don't have them one. And unfortunately, I think that's just credit to TL and their players because, I mean, we can move on to TL unless you have anything else to say about EG. The last thing that I'm going to say is even though I do think overall MSI was a plus as far as like the EG squad, like them making it to the semis is something I'm like, okay, well, Cloud9 wasn't able to do that last year, so it looks better on EG this year. And, and obviously, JoJo, I did not think he had that great of a spring split. Started to pick it up as the split went on, had a really good playoff, and then a really good uh, MSI performance. So he's kind of ramping up as the games mean more, which is a really good sign. But I can't ignore, I did not think Vulcan had a really good MSI, and so I don't think it was all perfect for EG. I don't think everyone's stock went up with the international tournament, let's put it that way. Um, Fair enough. I, it's hard to be like, oh, you you looked bad against world class teams, so you know, shame on you, Vulcan. Um, but I expect a little bit more out of them still, and I I think we'll probably get it. But again, I don't think we'll get it out the gate, and that's why I got them number three. So yeah, yeah. Um, I I think you know I'll, I'll talk about TL now, and I'll I'll just start us off by saying I think TL kind of has a very big advantage going into this split because a lot of the players on our team are known to have very positive work ethics you know in the scene mm -hmm. i think people talk about all the time that bjergsen and core jj are probably two of the most hardworking players in the lcs ever since they've arrived and when you you're in a bit of a unique situation in terms of the meta and the durability update where people are having to sort of relearn the game a little bit in terms of obviously the damage and tankiness of champions around the or you know every single champion when you have these grinders who play a lot of games and are heavily invested in improving and are known to not take a lot of days off um, and, and are very hard workers, to me, when you're going into a season that has a lot of question marks in terms of the meta and what is going to be good, having those grinders on your team is a huge plus for me because it kind of it, it makes just makes me think that they're going to be able to sort of solve the puzzle first because that's what they've been doing for almost their entire career. Yerkson has been a player who, you know, picks up champions and play styles very quickly. He was one of the early adapters of Akali um, in the LCS when, you know, that champion sort of got reworked. 
I, I can think of just some smaller instances where, you know, like Fiddlesticks Mid was just like a random thing that popped up <laughs> when like the Fiddlesticks Reaper came in and he was the pretty much the only guy that was People playing Fiddlestick. or hated it, right? If yeah. I remember right. Exactly. Yeah. It was just like weird hybrid tank Fiddlesticks Mid and, you know, Bjergsen was playing really well on it and it just, he's always a player that is going to learn the new champions the fastest and the quickest and, you know, just usually ends up, you know, performing them at quite a high level very quickly. So I just I kind of just have faith in the TL players that they're going to be able to figure out the meta the quickest, and that's pretty much the only reason why I gave them the number one spot over EG. I actually probably would have put EG ahead of Team Liquid if not for like the work ethic that I think all these players on this team is going to have, and also to sort of right their wrongs because this was the goddamn super team that was supposed to just smurf the league and was built for international competition. And I assume they're probably going to have a bit of a fire under their ass in terms of, okay, guys, like we need to get our shit together. We need to go to worlds as the number one seed because that's what we did this thing for in the first place. Dude, I just feel like such a TL simp. Yeah. When it comes to putting them number one, like that's how I feel. And the reasons why is because, like, do I think they're going to finish number one? Yeah. Do I think they are the best team right now? Yeah. That's why I have them number one. But, like, not one of their players, in my opinion, played to their peak or, or even really that close to their peak, if I'm being completely honest. Last Maybe Santorin. Yeah. I don't even think so. I still think Santorin looked better in the past. Like, don't get me wrong. He's still a great jungler. And that's that's the problem. That's why it's so easy to put them number one. It's like, oh, these guys that didn't play at their best still looked really good? Okay. Number one. But, like, it feels like if there was other teams that weren't playing at their best, I'd be like, I don't know, man. And that's kind of what I did with 100 Thieves. So, like, I don't know. The thing is, I, I still can't help but feel like a simp for, for thinking TL's number one, but I can't change my mind. I do think they're the best players. Now, a couple players I want to talk about specifically, Whippo, out that gate absolute monster towards the end of the split not really even close to that like he really went on a downward trajectory and i can't forget that going into this split so eyes for me on whippo i I need to see he's the guy that i think can improve the most from what we saw towards the end of spring split another guy i want to talk about and this i want to know if like i'm getting the read on this um what's the the word here uh the way people look at Bjergsen, the, the word's not coming to me, but the 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 way people looked at Bjergsen coming into the split perception? was like... Perception, yeah. Was, well, you know, Bjergsen had a year off. It's going to take a while for him to get back to his best. And even though he was one of the best mids in the, in, the, uh, in the spring split, it still felt like everyone was like, well, Bjergsen's not goat material anymore, and he's not as good as he used to be. And it's like, what happened to the conversation of it will take him some time to get back to his best again? It feels like to me, and I, I want to know your opinion on this, it feels like people went from it'll give him some time to just, well, Bjergsen's not good anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? I mean, I thought he was the best mid laner in the LCS last split. So, so did I. So did I. But it felt like so you didn't get that feel from the uh, like from the community that people had kind of given up on Bjergsen as being goat material. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about giving up, but I definitely. I mean, I heard the noise about you know him just not being as good as he once was, and yeah, I'm kind of on your side of things about like, hey man, it's just been one split. You know, let's let's it's see like, this next uh, one. Yeah, and that's where I'm going with this. It's like. I think everyone's saying if Bjergsen wasn't at his best, it's like, well, yeah, that's what we said in January we should expect. And it's like, once we got what we expected, people were disappointed or they, at least that's the vibes I got. And I was like, why are we disappointed with Bjergsen not being Bjergsen anymore? He's been back for three months. 
you know but uh anyways that was just the perception i got and so i guess i'm waiting to see a full year because if he i would expect him to start to look like himself if he's going to i would expect it to be after a full year right towards the end of summer is where i expect it to happen if it happens i'll be like oh yeah here we go and if it doesn't happen i'll be like damn we didn't get the bjergsen back that we want it just feels like the jury's made up their mind a little too early on a player that i thought the community was all in favor of hey let's give him some time to get back to go bjergsen that's that's where i look at this anyway mm. but uh yeah still number one i expect them to be number one at the end and at the start um but i expected that in spring as well and uh that didn't happen so we'll have to wait and see uh anything that you want to go on about anything that we missed or or how about end of the split predictions is there anything that you think will change at the end of the split that you don't have right now in your power rankings yeah i guess what i would say is i probably expect cloud nine to be higher than four um i know we both have them at four but kind of like you said we sort of seem to be on the on the side of you know things are going to work out um you know this team does have a lot of individual star power and even though it might take berserker a couple of weeks to get back over to north america i think we're expecting to see this roster sort of uh, figure out their stuff in the middle to the end of the spring of the summer split and then really turn it up towards playoffs um so i would expect cloud nine to probably be in that fighting for world spots obviously and who knows, depending on how good they look, could be, you know, contender for the title. I, I expect title contenders to be Team Liquid, Cloud9, and Evil Geniuses. Uh, I'm not going to throw 100 Thieves in that category. While I do think they're still world's contenders and they're going to be a very solid team, it, it just feels like, you know, I I don't know. I just favor the other teams for some reason. It's tough. No, I, it, I, don't, it's I don't know tough. if I can really put my finger on it, but it's pretty, it's, it's hard to go wrong with TL's roster. EG are the former champs who, you know, are really like riding a big high right now. And cloud nine is just, you know, they're a perennial threat. So I'm going to say something that I think people might be a little upset with me for. So maybe a hot take. I don't know. Okay. I don't have EG going to Worlds, whereas you, if you would have asked me like a month ago, I would have said yes. But the more mm. I've thought about it, the more I actually think that I still do think all of those teams are going to be incredibly close, like the top four. And what does happen sometimes is that MSI hangover goes for a long time. And sometimes you can't necessarily recover. If you look back to C9 when they were absolute monsters, was uh, 2020, right? 2020 spring, that was where they went like 17 and one in spring and yeah. they won and then MSI didn't even happen. And then they just came out in summer and were kind of toast. It was, um, that was even weirder because they came out in summer and started the first half 9-0 and then they ended, yeah. uh, they went almost four like they and five. Legs in a marathon. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, and the thing is, that's such like a cheesy way out to pick a team, but you got to pick something. And like, I look at these teams and I, I really do think all of them are quite good. And so I'm, I, I guess if I had to pick one, I guess I'm going to pick EG. Um, and it isn't for anything else other than that MSI hangover can last quite a long time. And uh, I guess it worries me when I see players tweeting out that like they're, you know, they're, they're tired. And I, again, I don't blame them. But that does have an impact on how you play. You know, if you're burnt out, who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe they come back and, and maybe they're just on fire. I would love to see it. I think I think NA fans in general want EG to go back to Worlds. I mean, I fucking do, but I just unfortunately don't think it's going to Go happen. back. They never made it before. Well, go back to international play. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, that's the only thing different is I guess I have TL at the end of the split, TL, C9, 100, EG in that order. And then the rest I think is all the same or similar, at least close. Yeah, it feels like people have this idea that TSM is like, you know, I think people are still with the mindset of like, there's still the top five and the bottom five and like TSM, we'll is sort, they're just automatically back in the top five. It's like, kind of like we said when we were talking about TSM, like we'll see it until we, we'll see it when we, or what the fuck am I trying to say? Wait till we we'll see believe, it. We'll believe it when we see it. Yeah. Like We'll uh, get to that because we'll get to the Parth takes and Parth, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in, uh, I don't know, a little bit. Yeah. Um, before we do, let's do the 90-50-10. We did, so I, I, before we do them, I do want to remind people of, so at the start of Spring Split, we did 90-50-10, basically being like, I'm 90% sure this is going to happen, 50% sure that's going to happen, and 10% this is going to happen. Uh, J&T and I, so I'll just name them out. I had 90% chance that TL wins a split. I had 50% chance that EG goes to Worlds. And I had 10% chance that C9 reaches their goals. If people will remember, <laughs> that was C9's goals were to win spring and summer, if I remember right, and then yeah. make it to semis at Worlds with LS. That's the funniest one to look back on because while, yeah, they didn't reach their goals, I didn't predict that. I did not see that. There was not a 10% chance in my mind that they would fire their coach or like LS would be fired by week four or whatever it was or week two or whatever it was. And they'd kick um, their MVP winning top laner. Yeah, like this is not the path that that 10% is what I had in mind. No, not at all. Uh, J&T had TL will win the split, so spring split. So he missed out on that one. But J&T had 50% chance that TSM will finish outside of top six, which people look back and they're like, well, yeah, that wasn't that easy of a prediction. And I remember giving them a little bit of pushback on that because I do, while well, I do, I, I, I watched the, uh, the VOD. So I remember saying like, I don't think it's the craziest thing, but I remember saying that I thought it was a lower percent chance, like a 20 or 30 or something like that. So I got to give J&T credit there. Got to give him credit there. Got to, got to, I don't know, call out the dubs, I guess. Um, and then got to take the L's as well. He said Fudge would be the MVP as his 10% chance. Mind you, 10% chance. Yeah. But that uh, didn't happen. So that's what those were. Um, anything to say on any of that? Or should we just get into our this split? Ones? I'm going to give myself 10% of a point because Cloud9 players still won MVP. So. Sure. Okay. Copium. Copium for J&T. Yep. Uh, um... So the thing is, though, even though we did it last split, it wasn't necessarily meant for that last split. So I'm going to have one that's similar. I'm just going to name all three of mine, and then you name all three of yours. Is that cool? Okay. So 90% chance Jensen is top three all pro. I have a lot of confidence in Jensen coming back. Yeah, that feels being an absolute kind of monster. Um, obviously, there are some mid laners that, you know, have been good in the past, like Abadage and Bjergsen and Jojo. So there is a world where he doesn't make it. I have confidence that he does. And so 90% chance that he's making the top three all pro. 50% chance I actually have the same one. And I swear to God, guys, I made these before going to look at the old VOD. And I put down EG goes to worlds as 50, 50%. And then I look back at the old VODs, and it's the same one that 50% EG goes to Worlds. Obviously, in my power rankings or whatever thing, I ended up saying no. I don't think they're going to go, but I am very, very much on the fence there. But I added to it because I kind of cherry-picked from the other one. I added another 50. And this is, goes back to the Golden Guardians thing that we talked about. 50% chance that Leader is playing in the mid lane for Golden Guardians by the end of the split. Mm. Um, 
I think that there's a good chance they want to get Ole a green card. Uh, Olive has not been that great, and I do think that they see some room for improvement in the mid lane, and I think that's why they went after an import for an academy spot. I see. So 50% chance there, and then 10% chance that TSM keeps all their players and staff. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> because... not going to happen. <laughs> there's, a, there's a theme here uh, that's been going on since, I don't know, when, when did that theme start? When did TSM just start dumping or losing everyone since Bjergsen? In September, October? Pretty much, yeah. It's been happening, so that's my 10% there. Anything you want to pick apart there, JNT? No, I, 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 you know, I don't know. The 10% ones are usually safe for, you know, more of the out there ones, but I think TSM's obviously going to get rid of people, so you kind of just... So you think that's higher than 10%? Oh, <laughs> you said that TSM yeah, keeps yeah. all of their players and players coaching and staff. Coaching staff, yeah. That's like 0.01% chance that happens. Zero. So it's oh, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, like they're that gotcha. they're not gonna keep everybody. Like hmm. shit's going down. Okay. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. Okay. Well, mine. Um, yeah. Go ahead and name yours off. So ninety percent that uh, Shenyi gets benched again. Uh, okay. Because you know we talked about this. They brought in the this guy Mia, who formerly played in the LCK and the LCK uh, Challenger League. And they openly said that, you know, that he's going to be competing for the starting spot. So if, you know, things aren't going well on TSM, it feels like Shenyi is probably going to be the first one to get subbed out. Okay, then, I like it. Uh, so, yeah, Shenyi gets benched again. 50% that another in-season trade happens. And I say mm. that because at, in the middle of Season 11 summer, we saw a little swap that sent Licorice to uh, FlyQuest. Sorry, got, Licorice was sent from FlyQuest to Golden Guardians. And okay. it actually, you know, really benefited both teams to where both teams kind of play a little bit better when FlyQuest got rid of Licorice and then Golden Guardians added him in. So, I don't know, with Worlds being on the line and everything, and especially there being eight teams in playoffs, I assume that a lot of experimentation is going to happen for these teams who, you know, halfway through the season might think, hey, we need a drastic change to really, you know, turn our season around here. So, I think that, you know... Especially, you know, additionally with a lot of academy players, we've seen a lot of pretty good academy players being kept on top LCS teams. We know that Cloud9 has always had a very strong challenger team. Uh, teams like Team Liquid have a lot of good players in academy like Ayla and uh, Armeo. So I think that you can have these other top LCS teams that could be selling some of their academy players to bottom tier LCS teams to start okay. if they feel like they need to make some push. So 50% of trade happens, and then 10%, the TL roster blows up at the end of Season 12. Ooh. And I, like that I, one say, I say blow up. What I mean by that is they get rid of at least three players on their roster, or change three players. Oh. Okay. Nice little bold prediction there. So uh, I want to go back, because I have some questions on the first two as well. What was the first one again? Once you Shenny, say it, gonna... Shenny gets benched. Again. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, is there a particular reason he's benched? Do you think it's more like, because there was rumors that he was kind of toxic or, or something with tactical. And I mean, they, they haven't been clear with whatsoever with what really happened. They kind of came out later and said, actually, Shenyi wasn't a bad guy and blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't. SMPRXD. Yeah, they've been hella like, I can't trust anything they say. But anyways, do you think it would be something toxicity related or, or gameplay related? Do you think Mia no, would just be better? Yeah, I, I think it's probably just more gameplay related. Like if TSM starts to split off and they're two and four or two and five and 
you know, they're struggling. I just think that, unfortunately, Shaney's probably going to be the first one to get switched out because okay. they brought in this guy specifically to battle Shenyi for the yeah, starting spot. Fair. So That's fair enough. Okay, and what was the second one? What was the 50% again? That uh, trade happens. Yeah, any any trades in mind? I don't know. I just, I'm more thinking of players that might be on the move than trades. You know, in the case of Cloud9, they obviously have a really good academy roster, and either King or Destiny is going to see some LCS time with mm. Berserker being out. So maybe one of those two players plays well, or, you know, even a player like Darshan, who's been a very strong academy player, who presumably would be somewhere around the bottom to mid tier LCS level right now with top laners. Okay. I mean, I, I think Darshan could probably be a competent player in the LCS. You know, you, know, you guys, you got people on Team Liquid like Ayla and Armeo who, from when they've been subbed in and playing games in the LCS, have looked pretty good for the most part. I mean, Armeo, he's kind of like TL Super Sub that came in when Santorin was, you know, he had his migraine issues in uh, Season 11 and Season 12. No, no. Did he have any this past split? I don't remember. But he might have played one game, but I don't know. I just think that something will happen. Okay, all right. And then what was the 10% one again? The TL roster blows up. Oh, right, yeah. I don't have any follow-ups on that, but I like the, the spicy 10% prediction. Yeah, I, that, that, that kind of just comes off the back of, like, if the if TL doesn't make Worlds, obviously, you know, they're going to blow up. But it, I see it, it's more likely that maybe they go to Worlds and they fail to make it out of groups going, like, 2-4 and four or 1-5. and five And who knows, maybe they get in a hard group. Maybe they're not going as NA's number one seed, so... They just naturally have a more difficult group if they're going to be like a pool three team or something or have to go through play-ins. So that I don't roster's know. Roster's so expensive though. You exactly. have to imagine. So like if things don't work out, you better be you better be damn sure you're going to have success if you only get rid of one player. Exactly. So so I don't mind the look if they're blowing up, it's three guys or more or whatever it is. And, and NA for whatever reason, just it feels like there's a one year you know expiry date on the majority yeah. of rosters that all these top teams bring together. There's been a few outliers that have kind of they've kept the team together 100 thieves they're going into their their fourth split now of having the same roster uh you know i can't think of a whole lot of like tsm with their like og season six seven roster like that roster was together for pretty much two years the og cloud nine roster was together for two years but outside of those ones there's not really a lot of long-standing rosters in the lcs that stick together. Things do change a lot. Even man. on even on successful teams, we saw with Team Liquid when they sort of kind of revamped the whole team, brought Doublelift in. Like Ole and Poe Belter were the players on that team before they brought in Jensen and Core JJ, and that team won a split and went to Worlds. They won both splits, spring and summer. Went to Worlds, went three and three at Worlds. Unfortunately, didn't make it out. But you know they got rid of two of their pretty decent players on their team for big upgrades in Jensen and Core JJ. So I just think that unless TL goes to Worlds, makes semis or makes finals or something like that. I think it's probably more likely that a player, one player at the least, gets switched out than you know they they keep the roster together. Interesting stuff. Okay, well we'll wait and see if that happens. Let's move on to the Parth takes now. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been loving Parth's Twitter for the last. I, I wish I wish he would do this every split. To be honest, uh, I'm just gonna be honest. A lot of stuff I just think is just wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but let's get into it let's go uh, i picked out three i don't know if you picked out any but i picked out three uh the first tweet was on june 7th and parth's uh tweet was going into summer lcs i think this is the closest the top five have been each one of these teams needs something different to succeed and coaching staff slash org are going to play a huge role in who makes it to worlds and i read that and i was like huh 
I wonder who the top five is, which of course was one of the replies. And then he said 100 Thieves, Cloud9, EGTL, TSM. And a lot of people, myself included, probably you included, but based off of your power rankings, went, whoa, 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 TSM. Bro, and you're look, not on TSM anymore. You don't need to bias, bro. Here's, so here's the thing, though. I can see a world where TSM does make it to top five. I just don't think I see a world where if we were doing this 90, 50, 10 thing, I would probably give it a 5% that TSM is competitive with all four of those teams. Um, I could see them making it to five and that I would probably give like a 30% chance. But again, I said there's a really big gap for me. There's a really big gap after those four teams. And there's just so much that went wrong with TSM for me to be like, well, they changed the mid laner and everything's okay now. And now they're going to be competitive with TLEGC9100 Thief. That's where I'm like, whoa, man, I don't know about that one. Um, there's just too many problems. Huni was not that good. Spica was not that good. Tactical was not that good. It doesn't matter that you replace your mid laner when all the other roles look pretty bad. So, yeah. Now, again, I, I, we mentioned the, well, they had a lot of problems that they were dealing with, and hopefully they're not dealing with those problems anymore. That's why I give them that 30% random number approximate number we'll say that they could make it to fifth but that is a really big leap for them to make it and be competitive with those other top four but that that would be crazy that would be a really really interesting bounce back i, I will say that yeah i mean it, we obviously don't know what's going on but i find it a little bit hard to believe that these um upper management issues or you know issues with the team to upper management is suddenly going to just make them so much better in comparison to what they were in spring split because it's yeah. not like this is a team that just barely missed out on making playoffs and was making leaps and bounds, you know, uh, to get better at the end of spring split. It, it that wasn't the case. Like this team won what what they won five games, and the games who they won were like two of the games were against the worst team in the league. Like it's I'm sorry, it's just hard for me to put a lot of stock into TSM somehow going into the split with a, a you know beaming confidence and you know. Uh, like I said, I don't think Maple is just going to be this game-changing player. I, I think that he's going to be an upgrade for the team, and I think that they'll be a better team because of Maple. But I don't think that changing out one player suddenly makes them this top-five worthy team. And like you said, sure, they could be top-five. They could be five in the standings. But to you know compare them competitively to the other top-four teams, I think it's just kind of out of the question until we actually yeah. see it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, nothing more for me to add anything else on that tweet or should I go to the next one? We can go to the next one. <clears throat> the next one, kind of similar, but he had Inspired, Spica, and Blabber are the best junglers in the LCS. Um, yeah, this many one's people, just flat again, out wrong. myself included, uh, went, hello, Closer? Uh, Santorin? Uh, not Spica? <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably three or four other junglers that I would take before Spica. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, look, I, I don't want to discount. He was an MVP. Sure. But, uh, we saw a whole split of not MVP speaker and it wasn't really close either. So that's one of those things where it goes to what you were saying. Like, uh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing, because there's a lot of good junglers in this league, man. I would take blabber. I would take inspired. I would take closer. I would take, uh, I'm missing. Uh, did I say Santorin? I would take Santorin. blabber. The uh, blabber. Uh, yeah, so anyways, the list is pretty big of junglers that I would take before Spica. So for him to say three junglers and have Spica amongst them, that was kind of a standout for me. Yeah, and I don't think it's like Spica is this terrible jungler who just doesn't deserve to be in 
you know, the list of the top three junglers, it's just, to me, it just feels like a bit disrespectful just to completely just not even include Santorin or Closer. Because yeah, Closer has been carrying his team for two and a half years now, basically on, on Golden Guardians and now 100 Thieves. He's been the best player on that team um, since season 10. And I don't think you can dispute that, that Closer has not been the best, that he's been the best player on Golden Guardians slash 100 Thieves while they've had the that same four out of five players. Um, and then to just not have Santorin there is just pure craziness to me where he had such a good split on TL, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. And he's been around for such a long time now on other top teams, you know, uh, FlyQuest, a team that probably shouldn't have gone to Worlds, but went to Worlds because of his play and how good he was, it just it just seems disrespectful. I don't know. I, I would probably put Spika sixth in terms of junglers I would take. I would take Santorin, Closer, Blabber, Inspired, and, you know, River before I would take Spika. And, you know, if we want to talk about Spika being sixth, I think Jose Diodo and Pride Stalker are right there with them. <laughs> yeah, so, they're close. Yeah. Like, eh, it's just, that one felt like the most outlandish one to me. And once yeah. again, like, bro, you're not on TSM anymore. The bias can stop, dude. Uh, the thing is like i don't know he's just giving his honest opinion and the thing is i will if if he is right with these takes that will be crazy that will be pretty impressive um next up there was the june 13th tweet this one is one that i agreed with but i didn't really think about this he said na needs better coaches more than they need better players and i thought well that's interesting um because obviously the focus is always about like my god we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for these players and it's like well maybe Maybe that wouldn't be such an issue if we had better coaches. And that's something that obviously he would know better than almost anyone else. And Empire, one of the, I think he's an analyst for EG. I don't know if he's an analyst or if he's an assistant coach. He's, he's, in, he's watching Hotline League all the time. He's always in the chat. But uh, he says, go a step further. We need good coaches who can now who can coach new coaches to be good coaches. And I thought, well, that's also kind of interesting. It goes to show that there's not really a good way for coaches to improve. Uh, in the scene and so that the the issue that North America has in developing talent goes so much further beyond than just the players and a lot of people will look at that and say that's obvious uh, to me I it's something I hadn't really occurred to me but makes a lot of sense when I read out the tweet and so that was one that I actually really liked yeah I mean when you talk about you know some of the best teams you know in the LCS the kind of all time you know you really got to look to coaching in terms of how much of a benefit that was to transform a team who maybe wasn't very good or wasn't at the top and then brought them to the top. Um, you, you know, there's a couple one that sticks out, you know, Zix back on the days with CLG when they did that whole run to MSI and they won season five uh, summer, then won season six spring. And like I said, had that really great MSI run. You know, Zix was like a really big talking point in terms of that team and why they were so successful. And Cloud9, when they brought in Reaper at the season six summer, to sort of revamp the whole team when they brought back Meteos and they got Impact, and then Cloud9 just kind of became perennial contenders for the title and at international events after they'd kind of fallen off from the OG Cloud9 roster and had some, you know, different rosters in between then. Cloud9 from Season 6 onwards has just been unanimously considered as the best international performing team in North America, and, you know, it took them a while, but has finally got back to winning some championships, and... Now Reaper moving over to 100 Thieves, like 100 Thieves just went to Worlds and they won their first split with him being the coach. And it feels like 
coaching is just in general kind of underrated in the esports scene, especially when it comes to league. Well, I'll use a recent example, Peter Dunn. Peter Dunn's been great for EG. I don't think anybody was expecting Danny and JoJo to play at the level that they've been playing, you know, ever since they've been, in, you know, introduced into the LCS. And, you know, Peter Dunn's a pretty outspoken guy about how much he believed in these players before anyone else believed in them. And he's obviously, you know, bringing a lot of positive things to EG. So it just feels like good coaching, hopefully, is going to be sort of the key to make NA better. Um, because in previous cases that we've seen with great coaches coming to good teams and making them great, I think we have like a solid number of examples that we've seen to sort of back that claim up. Yeah, and something, because this was brought up on Hotline League, the discussion about this tweet in particular, and one of the other things he mentioned on the show was that, like, it's not just coaches at the top level, like, it's coaches that all level that, like, there needs to be a way to teach coaches how to coach. Um, he said, like, basically, at obviously LCS and then amateur, or uh, academy and then amateur and even, like, collegiate. Like, there's there's a need for better coaches at all of the levels, and that's where, like, it's difficult to find coaches when people aren't getting better coaching at even the lower levels. It's like the same kind of uh, path to the LCS is like you got to start somewhere and there's just not enough coaches, I guess, that have that kind of experience to push to be an LCS coach. And then you find yourself lacking for LCS coaches. So uh, just a point that he brought up that I thought was really interesting as well. Mm -hmm. Quick news. Yep, yeah, we got a couple quick news things, just two of them. First one. The LCS Summer Finals are going to be in Chicago on September 10th to 11th. Which is really interesting because I remember thinking, or I think when they announced Worlds was happening in North America, I remember being like, fuck Chicago, don't go to Chicago. Because like you obviously have to go to New York, you have to go to LA. And so my thoughts were it was going to be between Toronto and and Chicago. And so even though I love Chicago as a city, I remember being like, fuck Chicago, don't go there. So that they... And, Fortunately, Toronto has that Canada buff, if you will, because they have to go over into Canada as well. And I feel like that's why Toronto ended up getting one of the places or one of the whatevers for um, the spots for Worlds. But then I'm like, Chicago's a huge market and they're kind of just not getting anything for Worlds. Well, they kind of made up for it, I guess, with LCS finals. And I feel like they probably had that planned when they were making the decision as to what places to go for Worlds. It's like, well, if we don't go to Worlds in Chicago, at least we can do a summer finals there, which is pretty beast. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's at the United Center. It is. Um, okay. Where the Bulls play and the, and the Blackhawks. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, then. So, yeah, nothing more. Last... FlyQuest, damn man, the CEO is stepping down. Trisha, I think Sugita, I think is her last name. I don't, I might be getting that wrong, but it's like uh, something X Bear is her name. Uh, Megum, Megumi or something. Uh, I have it here somewhere. Megumi X Bear. Yeah, uh, she is an amazing CEO. Uh, I think most people would agree that FlyQuest is not FlyQuest without her, and. When when the news first broke, I went full copium mode, and I was like, you know what? It's totally fine, because she obviously laid the groundwork for what is a successful org, and they can continue on with what she created. Like, people get the like people at FlyQuest understand what FlyQuest wants, or just LCS fans want, and they can continue that. But Travis brought up a good point on Hotline League tonight, that, like, it's hard to fake that. Like, it's hard to bring in someone else and to just copy and paste that like genuine um 
uh, attitude, I guess, that she has towards just, like, making the world a better place. Like, it's hard to fake that. And so I do actually worry quite a bit. The more I thought about it, the more I was like, maybe I was just full copium mode when I first heard the news. Because as, as I thought about it more, I was like, those are big shoes to fill, man. And the one thing that that I was bringing up is like, um, this is the first time we've seen an LCS org have a good fan base without either winning a championship or having organizations... Uh, it, or having the org play in other esports titles, like like 100 Thieves with like you know, uh, they have a, they had a CS:GO team. I don't know if they still do, but obviously Valorant and and obviously Call of Duty is a big one for 100 Thieves. So like, there's a big fan base there. FlyQuest is pretty much like just LCS. They might have a couple of other esports titles. I'm not, I guess I'm not totally sure about that, but mostly LCS focused and managed to grow a really respectable brand not even with winning that's we we don't see that and so i think that basically i, I really think flyquest uh really lost a really big piece to their brand and i hope i hope for the god that they can carry it on because obviously as jay and t knows i i really like flyquest and i really love what they do and i'm a little bit fearful that they might lose some of that uh whatever it is that they had with her running show yeah i mean i guess it'll be kind of interesting to see who they would get as a replacement and yeah. I think it would be probably a good indication to kind of judge the replacement in terms of like their credentials and if they have the same sort of interests as her in terms of like the charitable work that FlyQuest has been doing with like the C-Quest, B-Quest, TreeQuest and everything like that. So if they brought in another CEO who has these, you know, same the same interest and concerns for these environmental causes, I would assume that they would then go ahead and continue pretty much everything that they've been doing already. So I think it'll probably be pretty telling with kind of the direction that they're going to be going in with whom they replace as CEO. And I would hope for their case that they would continue to do the charitable work that they are doing. Um, because like you said, it's pretty difficult to create a fan base in the LCS when you know winning is the biggest draw obviously when you're not winning mm -hmm. and you don't have other successful teams in different other esports and leagues and whatnot so you know i hope they keep doing what they're doing but uh it'll probably all depend on, on who takes yeah. the reins i i don't think anyone i think most people think they're going to continue to try to do what they do now the biggest worry for me is that it's hard to replicate that if that's not your just genuine attitude of like life like exactly that, that, that's what i mean like, that it'll be dependent on who they get. was the brand right and that's the problem is that that's really difficult to uh replicate or just replace in, in altogether so that's a really big problem one other good point that travis brought up um was that like so so i was saying like i think this hurts the lcs as well and the one point that he brought up is like a lot of times this was a, another team for people to care for once they weren't watching their favorite team and i look at that as like yeah that would keep people watching was like now you have a second favorite team which was often FlyQuest for a lot of people um and so you hope that they don't lose that either as because if they don't if they aren't able to i don't even want to say recreate but just continue the brand that she's laid out for them i think that'll hurt the league as well as as well as FlyQuest. but yeah really big blow um i don't know what she plans on doing i don't know if she announced that but was pretty disappointed but uh what can you say it happens shit happens oh before we close up the show i wanted to ask you uh what did you think of the hype video a it lot was... of people are pretty excited with it 
Yeah, I mean, I saw it. It was just like it was just the OG LCS players reacting to plays. Mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting so you more. Too for it? I was kind oh, of. Okay. I feel like all the hype I saw on social media was like hyping me up too much, like kind of underperformed based on my expectations. But I thought it was good. Like it was just cool seeing all the OG faces of of players. I will say, like, I think it's like a super easy way out to be like, hey, let's just get all the players and just hit on that nostalgia that you know, like. It's like an easy way out, but also, I don't care. I really liked it. So, like, hey, I like Boy Boy, the, dude. He's back. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a big Boy Boy fan. I like. And then he him. like he was on double of double of tweeted out a picture of him. Yeah, pro- that was probably the day that they were probably. recording or filming or whatever it was. I would have to imagine. Yeah, no, J and T knows that I'm a big fan of, of Boy Boy. I was everyone is. Who isn't? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Good point. Well, Good the Shinshin fans aren't. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I guess I shouldn't ask who isn't yeah. a Shinshin fans. But okay, do yeah, I guess I'll say it. Do Shinshin fans matter? You'd fuck a Shinshin. Yeah. Like I don't care what a Shinshin fans think. Um anyway. Alright, that's been it for this episode. LCS summer starting really soon this weekend, Saturday. Man, I'm gonna be away. But you nice. bet I'm gonna be catching up on those games, dude. I I've been waiting for summer. I like I always like spring and, and I always like MSI, but I love summer. Like summer is my thing, so I'm really excited for it. Because uh, I think it just gives the hype for Worlds. Worlds is the best thing, and I think summer does the best job of prepping us for Worlds. So except for really eighteen playoff puke. Eh, whatever. I don't care. I think, I honestly, even though I think a lot of people hate the eight-team playoff, I think the one of the reasons for it is the MSI hangover. Because what if, you know? Wasn't there a time that C9 ended up like, this is like way back in the day, and they made a big run or something? Uh, I don't really the know. The C9 miracle run, was that after winning spring? No, like when they MSI had not high even jungle. Have existed, when they had high jungle. Yeah, what happened No, then? They, they came second in spring. And then... Oh. They were just okay. poo-poo at the start of summer. Never mind then. Never mind. Anyways, enjoy the weekend, guys. Yeah, uh, we still apologize for not having live shows. Uh, I feel like a broken record. We are still working on it. <laughs> we're going to try again next week. We kind of promised for this one. Uh, You've been baited. You got your baited. I, you just blame JT. Everything will be fine. Yeah, um, whatever. You can ring me out if you want to in the comments. Yeah. I'll uh, if you guys enjoyed you. the episode, they are going to come out. If you're new to the channel, we come out with episodes every week, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, obviously, we just didn't do one last week because there was nothing happening, but now with, uh, with summer starting up again, you can expect an episode every Monday night. We'll go live whenever we can start to go live again, and then the episodes usually come out Tuesday morning. So hit the subscribe button, and they will pop up in your feed, and that also helps us out quite a bit. Uh, anything else, JNT? No. Okay, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Enjoy Summer Split. This has been episode 88 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.